Season's greetings, my dudes. Welcome to the Bitchin' Brew podcast, episode number 14. My name is Danny Randon, and as ever, I'm coming to you on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Acast. And for episode number 14, we're taking a bit of a different format from the usual conversational style. Obviously, we're nearing the end of the year, and as a music journalist, under the assumption that you actually care about what I've been listening to the most this year and what I've been loving the most, it's time for the Albums of 2017 special. Uh, I've been really looking forward to putting this one out, especially after the response that we got from the first time that we did it uh, last year, last December, obviously, uh, around this time last year exactly, I think it's almost to the day, Uh, but we got a great response, so I wanted to make it bigger, I wanted to make it better. And uh, so for this one, I teamed up with Dan Fisher, the guitarist from the exceptional band Guillotine. Uh, We were meant to be uh, having James McKinnon, a brilliant music journalist for the likes of Kerrang! among others, uh, on the podcast too. He was going to be given his top 10 albums as well. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, on the way down to recording the podcast, he just got snowed in and uh, we didn't want him to risk... Uh, well, his own well-being for the sake of being on this shitty little podcast. So we decided, you know, the show must go on. And as uh, you know, even in James's absence, uh, Dan and I had a really wonderful time recording this. We recorded this at Dan's home in Southampton and spoke a lot about uh, what Guillotine have been up to this year, but predominantly about our top 10 albums of the year respectively now we went really in depth on each album because Dan brought some great albums in Uh, I think I brought some great albums in I'd like to think they're all pretty decent and we ended up going so deep into each album that when we actually came to uh, finishing up the recording we actually had to book a second day of doing it because we ran overtime on the first day and so we just needed to go right well we'll, we'll we don't want to do do a slapdash job of this we we want to make a brilliant job of it so we don't want to cut anything out let's just let's just record uh finish recording tomorrow so when we eventually finished recording and called a wrap on it we checked the time and we've been recording for over four hours which is insane it's the longest we've ever recorded an episode of bitch and brew so as opposed to giving you one massive podcast to listen to i think that's probably a bit much to us i know i have an incredible audience out there um, yeah, I'm I'm talking about you, dear listener. Uh, I thought it'd be a bit cruel to give you a whole four-hour podcast to endure. So we decided that as opposed to like cutting an excessive amount out, we wanted to give you a good quality podcast, and that's why I decided that I would give this to you in two parts, two more easily digestible podcasts. So this is the first part, obviously, and uh, we count down our honourable mentions, we've got five honourable mentions each, as well as the number 10 all the way down to number 6. That's what you get from this podcast, and the second part of the podcast will be going up next week, next Tuesday, the 19th of December, it'll be available first thing in the morning on that Tuesday, where Dan and I will count down our top 5 albums, uh, and then we give out some bonus awards too, we've got 5 bonus categories this year which is really really cool uh, so we've got ep of the year gig of the year uh, l- record label of the year 
Song of the Year and Band of the Year. Sorry, I struggled to remember all of them off the top of my head there. Uh, but it was really fun to hand out those awards as well. So make sure that you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast to make sure that you get the second part to this Albums of the Year podcast first and you're one of the first to hear it. Uh, thanks for listening. Well, I'm going to dive right into the main bit of this episode now. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. There we go. Are we both? Are we both live? I I believe so. Yeah. Is red good? Red red's a good time. Red 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 is a, is is the new black. What <laughs> <laughs> is that? Is that every time I die? No, I'm not sure. No, the new black is red. Isn't it? Is that like 18 visions or like no? Maybe a tray or something. Yeah, ridiculous. maybe something like that. No, that's lip gloss and black. Ah. Oh. Yeah. That was the thing I found most difficult about this, is trying to pick top 10 albums of the year when a tray you didn't release anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> where do you go from there? Man, yeah. I don't think I've actually I... listened to anything a tray you have done since they did that best of album. You know, the one with like, yeah, the sheep on the, the sh- cover? Yeah, there's, you realise how mediocre that band have been for such a long time. I think they're just a fun band. Yeah, right, they, you know. they're a great band, but... What was their third album? They had the third album that I remember thinking this it had like X's and O's on it, and I was like, oh, okay, this is oh, man. not uh, your generic cheesy metalcore, but it is as well. I not the one to remember well. a album titles because I've just got the best of, which I bought when I was like 13 <laughs> and really getting into it. My, my yeah, favourite album would have to be the best of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the Bella Twins are in the video for Right Side of the Bed? No. Yeah, they are. <laughs> And that's that's really where they came to fame. That yeah, was... yeah b- before they appeared in the Atreyu video, they were just making their living as WWE divas. Yeah. <laughs> what a huge step up that would have been. This is like the first time that Bitchinbro has ever been miked. Ooh. And it feels slightly strange. It's weird. It's... <laughs> I mean, usually... considering we've been here talking at each other for a while, and now there's yeah, yeah, a lot of pressure. Now it like feels I'm... like everything I say should have meaning, and it a hundred percent doesn't. <laughs> I feel like I'm back on the radio, and I'm actually like going out live like right now. <laughs> but we can probably just edit out a lot of as long as we can. Post. Yeah, that's yeah, it'll be a, a good bit of that. <laughs> But I want to thank you anyway because I came here sort of loaded up on like a very large Starbucks because I know you don't drink hot drinks. I wasn't expecting you like to make me a cup of tea or anything. No, no, you mean I can make you one if you like. I'm um... perfectly fine because uh, yeah, I I got a a venti latte with the Christmas blend espresso from Starbucks because I'm a festive whore. Um, (laughs) It's not the red cups though. Like I thought it was the red cup time of year. What, what's, what's the red cup? Like where they literally just get red cups at Starbucks as opposed oh. to like the standard white cups. And what, I have what a time to be alive. I know, right? Yeah, this is the stuff we get excited about. It's like when pumpkin spice lattes finally go back on sale for all. That's when <laughs> autumn officially starts. But I do, I like. I, I'm aware of those just through people posting about them. Yeah, yeah. It's the you know Instagram wouldn't exist if it wasn't yeah. for pumpkin spice lattes. Um, but I have this thing where where I work, we have an on-site Starbucks, and um, one of my co-workers is also a fan of WWE, and so we go in there and we ask for different wrestlers to be put on the... When they ask for your name, yeah, we just uh, give different wrestler names each time. And if they spell it wrong, you like put them through a table. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be careful. Like We have to really give sort of simple ones. Remember, like, uh, I, one, of, one of them 
was Rey Mysterio, and the barista just looked at us really puzzled. My my experience of Starbucks and that is they can't spell basic names. So if yeah. you give them Mysterio, you're mm-hmm. not gonna get Mysterio. No, you're gonna get Mandy or something. Yeah. <laughs> Depending who you ask. <laughs> yeah. So I went for some. I went for the Rock this time. I think keep keep <laughs> it classic. I've actually done it. <laughs> Did you not go with Dwayne the Rock Johnson just just so they knew what was going? You know on? what? I think the 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 biggest scowl I've ever had it was like yeah can we take your name and uh, yeah I just went yeah macho man Randy Savage oh god cheers <laughs> <laughs> I expect it all written in full you know what I'm surprised, I'm surprised I haven't been banned yet but... <laughs> <laughs> we're running out of wrestler names as well we're having to go pretty far back have you gone with Ultimate Warrior yet yeah yeah okay. I've done Ultimate Warrior I mean actually something quite cool the other day was um, you know I just work in an office and, and one of my co-workers um he works in like a different department. He sits on like the other side of the room, but heard me talking about WWE, mm. um, and uh, and he uh, said, "Oh yeah, my my mum's cousin um, was the British Bulldog." What? And I was just like, "Wow, that's come. T- that was like a verbal RKO." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> verbal RKO. Danny Randon's new hardcore band <laughs> coming out. <laughs> Wow, eureka moment, verbal RKO, that's brilliant. If we're, you know, if the podcast thing doesn't pan out, then at least we have, like, the name of a new hardcore band. I imagine that's mostly spoken word with beatdowns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just, we we don't have a singer, we just use samples of, like, promos. (laughs) I can't wait for next year, but that will be in my top (laughs) ten. So that is definitely one, verbal RKO. The Astute EP. Yeah, the new the new record from out of nowhere. <laughs> right, so well, thank you uh, for welcoming me into your home studio <laughs> slash gamer den slash sort of tech boudoir. That's such. the nicest anyone's put it. I had uh, friends round and they immediately coined it as the wank furnace, <laughs> and I was like, well. <laughs> I mean, it, I I don't. I mean, even, I laughed, but that's stuck with me now. That's yeah. now. I'm not been here for like four or five months now, and that's that's really all well I can on, think of every time I come into this room is it worked really well on a door side. Oh, you could like make a cross stitch and hang it on the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, lovely yeah. elegant cross stitch, and it just says wank furnace. Just what a combination of words to put you off ever being in a room. Just ah. Uh. <laughs> I, I feel like I should give you a proper introduction. I, I, as I think I will mention on the introduction, shortly before recording, uh, received a call from uh, the person who was meant to be our third guest on this podcast, the wonderful James McKinnon uh, of Kerrang! magazine. And uh, he was driving down from Buckinghamshire today, and unfortunately he just got completely snowbound. So we hope you you got home safe, James, but fuck you, Mother Nature. But I just figured... <laughs> You know, the show must go on, because it's the biggest podcast of the year. You know, I've been waiting to talk about these albums for so long. So, with me on this podcast uh, is the guitarist from the band who this year had us all asking, what the fuck does Will Be Okay here mean? <laughs> I still ask myself. It's... From from Guillotine, Mr. Dan Fisher, how you doing, Dan? You alright? Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... What is it? It's Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay, I, I, it's acceptable to be as tired as I am. Yeah, yeah. it's easy like Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very appreciative for welcoming <laughs> me into your home, though. Um, 
I came here with coffee, and uh, you asked if I was driving because uh, tonight we're going because, to go because see... we're adults. Yeah, because we're this adults, is... and uh, I was going to see we're going to see Creeper tonight. Going to be a fun time. I said I wasn't driving, so you went downstairs and said I have a gift for you, and came <laughs> up with a massive. Is it? Uh, it's, it's not quite. A, it's seventy centiliters of Smirnoff ice. Yeah. And you offered me a glass and then a straw and I just decided no. Hang on, I, I didn't offer you a glass. You asked for a glass which I've never heard <laughs> anyone ever ask for after receiving a Smirnoff ice. I can get you a wine glass is this if you, like you, like you want to be like pretend classy. <laughs> is, this, is it a custom? It's a good year. <laughs> is, this, is this like a custom for anyone you have round to your house for the first time? This is like um, as opposed to people bringing a bottle you give them a bottle. It's the oh you didn't bring a bottle Here's one for you. <laughs> is this is be honest? Is this a regift? Yeah. <laughs> Someone brought this around and went. Here, thought you might like some smell of ice. You'd think that, but I have a fridge full of them. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> immediately regretting admitting that. But yeah, it's, you know. I'd imagine every now and then you've had a tough week. You yeah. just want to relax. You just want to smell off ice. Yeah. George is watching RuPaul. I'll have a Smirnoff. Mate, don't get me started on RuPaul. <laughs> it's the best. This, I, this is, this is something that was spoken enough. about on a recent podcast, and I was like, I'm not going to like this. This I, I like absolutely hate all those America's Next Top Model shows and all that. And then 30 seconds into the first episode I watched, I was, I was absolutely hooked on it. I, I find it's one of the most overwhelming programs to watch as someone that doesn't understand that world at all. Right. And not from a, a lack of want to understand it. Yeah. But it doesn't make it like I don't know, like the terminology and everything like that. And I, I just watch that and just oh, go, yeah, because it gets a, very catty. And this is another to... world to like where I'm from, <laughs> obviously. But, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's but, brilliant. Like, it's, we we were it very about... much enhanced with a seventy centiliter bottle of Smirnoff ice and a straw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. singing along to all the songs at the end of it, like this is the main event. I. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to start singing along with no, it, no, I, but you haven't watched it enough, clearly. I, well, I just, I'm just i not prepared to... <laughs> I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> so, everyone knows that I'm now drinking Smirnoff Ice out the bottle, which I will be. Well, yeah. What, what, what is your... You don't drink hot drinks, as I found out, so what is your bitchin' it's, brew? It's, it makes it sound like it's a live choice. I just don't like him. I never... Right. I don't know. I, I like... If I'm drinking, I'm normally just drinking water. I'm a really boring guy. Right. Yeah. I either have like a fruit juice or water. Yeah. Not for health reasons. <laughs> out Captain of. Captain Sensible over here. No, because I'm not. But I normally, you know. So today I've got um this this one was a regift. Uh, I put on a gig the other day, and uh, a girl who played uh, left this over after she crashed over. But it's a Adams Brewery uh, grapefruit IPA. Oh, okay. And I'm a big fan of Adnam's Gin, the Copper House, which is probably what I'll be drinking once this is done. Okay. <laughs> it's, which is it's quite Sunday. soon. <laughs> but yeah. I love that we're daytime drinking on the podcast. This is great. <laughs> well, you said to like listen to the last one from last year with George. And obviously George is hungover, so always is, and Joey as well. And, like, yeah, and is... it's in a spoons, and I kind of pieced it all together that this would be okay for me to have a... It's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were drinking like refillable Lavazza at that point but <laughs> seeing as you're not a hot beverage drinker I think I'll accept the grapefruit IPA I was um, going to go out and buy mulled wine and make some mulled wine for us but I I won't lie I just didn't no, I've got no reason why not I just it, it got to the point yesterday where I think I had four hours to kill and I thought I'm going to go shopping get some stuff in ready for me and Danny and I just didn't do that <laughs> 
<laughs> it's fine. You're a wonderful for, for, host for no for no reason at all. I just sat here doing nothing. I uh, well, I I do thank you indeed for the Smirnoff Ice. So it's been uh, before we get into our list. It's been a really wonderful year for for Guillotine. I suppose it's probably your first full year as a functioning band. I suppose obviously yeah. in the public domain, you've been working on it for some time now. You release the Sapphire EP at the start of the year. How how how's your year been for Guillotine? Busy, stressful. You know, all of the usual ones, but yeah, definitely, definitely a good year. Mm. I mean, it was, um, obviously we'd, we'd been sat on that material for a long time, trying to work out the best way to release it. And obviously then going through FBD, um, who are label now, just the best guys for putting stuff like that out for, for us kind of thing. And Can't ha- fuck them as, exactly. And they're, they're good friends of ours from a long time back before then. And I don't know if they will be afterwards based on how we've treated them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's not many people I know. I mean, like when we did the, the We'll Be Okay Here wheat pasting campaign, like, and it ended up being like, it was a very in-house kind of thing. And I don't think there's many, many people you could really go, this is what we want to do. This is our vision of this. Mm. And they'll go, okay. And then they would stay out with us until like 6am on nights, trying to like, you know, just drive into different cities and, you know, trying to hit these places up with us and it was one of the most horrendous months of my life because I was still working full time and then out as a some sort of vigilante <laughs> superhero <laughs> at night wheat pasting posters that at that point we thought no one would care about and uh yeah it yeah it was um yeah the response to that was uh was very very humbling it was yeah. nice to see that it kind of paid off it was then, huge absolutely yeah um, so yeah it's maybe just over a year now I think yeah, November twenty fourth we released the debut single from that, mm, right. from and uh, then announced that we were going to be playing a show, and then we got the confirmation through that we were playing. Before we played our first show, we confirmed our yeah, second the... show, which was Electric Ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> that that must I was going to ask you about that. So your first uh, show was, was at Birthdays in Dalston, yeah. So which we is did that if with... you've not been, is a sort of little basement venue. It's about what hundred cap, probably tops. Two, I think two hundred at a push. Right, but it, like that's if like you know if people are really crammed in. So yeah. I think we had it as about a one sixty cap. Yeah. And I think we had about 180 through the door. That's awesome. That And that was that to us was like, that's a successful launch. Like, we couldn't have asked for anything more. And then, like, about a week before we played that show, we'd been offered if we wanted to play again with our friends in Wallflower and supporting the main at Electric that's Board. That's so bizarre. Which is honestly... I've been playing in bands for maybe like 15 odd years now and yeah. that was the weirdest launch to a band I've ever had to have that lined up before having done anything mm. made no sense to any of us yeah and we were like you know it's the most incredible experience like I'll take that to my grave kind of thing that was incredible yeah. but like we started this very much expecting to play those venues like birthdays joiners you know we got to play Underworld recently which was that to me was a dream like, yeah Electric Ballroom was never a fathomable thing like, Underworld <laughs> was always the goal but we always saw ourselves as more of kind of like the dirty kind of uh, dirty kind of toilet venue scene, you know, playing, right. playing emo kind of grunge influence. House kind of shows, songs. That sort yeah, of house shows like really in your face kind of you know a punk DIY ethic to what we were doing, mm-hmm. and then to have that straight off the bat, we're like, we're gonna have to rethink what we're doing because something's <laughs> totally something back gone to like, Yeah, like something's gone incredibly right, and we have no idea how or why. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, yeah. And then you also went on tour uh, with uh, with Brutus. Yeah. So how how did that? So you know, obviously, we'll go through the criteria for this year's list. But 
basically the only rules were that there had to be full-length records released in 2017, and they couldn't be stuff that we were personally involved in, so obviously you can pick any guillotine stuff. You reckon? Uh, <laughs> EP of the year, guillotine, no. Um, and uh, I couldn't pick anything from the Hassle Records roster this year, because I still do shit for them. So, yeah. But uh, we put out the Brutus record this year. And Phenomenal record. It's, it's yeah, absolutely brilliant. And um, and so what was it like touring, going on, was that your first tour with guillotine? Our first proper one, yeah. yeah. Like we'd done kind of weekenders and like a lot of that. Um, where were uh, me, particularly being the old guy in the band? It's difficult. It was always very difficult for us to all get time off together. And then I was moving house and I was traveling a lot in between, and it was just, yeah. it just never seemed to pan out to play like tours. So we didn't tour until September would have been our first, like September into October. Yeah, was the Brutus run, which was. Uh, it was good to finally take it on the road kind of thing mm. but you very quickly realise like uh, especially playing with a band like Brutus where they're a free piece they have their sound guy with them they have their TM they have someone there doing merch they're such a well-oiled machine and we were there just like take notes guys this is <laughs> this is very much how it's it has to be and yeah honestly they're they, they're a very threatening band on record I think because they come out so loud so abrasive and like that record is so in your face it's, and just yeah. it's phenomenal but like I wasn't expecting them to be this like as nice as they were I just couldn't I don't have enough nice things to say about them that's awesome to hear man and um, uh, so moving on to the albums of the year list um, what do you think was really your criteria for uh, what um, was it just what you'd listen to the most or what um, what, what what do you think, uh, I think what I listen to the most is Obviously, it does come into it because you, if it's something that really sticks with you, mm. then you're going to obviously... Uh, but I, I tend to over-listen to music anyway. I like to analyse things and get too in-depth until I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's, I think, the somewhat forever music student in me coming out. that I, I feel like I need to understand why things are written rather than just appreciating that it's there. Yeah. And I'll, I'll slave over it until I don't enjoy it anymore. But there's definitely I think if, if something can be played that much and still enjoyed by the end of the year it's, it's something special and I think that does come into it um, bands bands that took risks I would say bands yeah. that obviously they don't always pay off but when you see bands that come out and really really kind of push the boat and just like you know they it leaves a lot of doors open for other bands mm. but someone has to take that risk to start off with and that, I think this year especially we've seen a lot of it and yeah. it's been mostly positive i would say like and a, a very a very good ratio in that sense yeah i think last year was last year was probably one of the toughest years to put together a top 10 mm. not not for the sense of i'm struggling to find releases to include but struggling to whittle it down yes um it was one of the yeah. best years for music in you know living memory for me um but this year, I think there was a very clear distinction between what was sort of album of the year territory and what was just really, really good. It was hard to yeah. whittle it down to 10. Very difficult. You yeah. know, which is why we set out some honourable mentions, which we'll get onto in a minute. Um, what I found in a sort of emerging pattern is uh, this year we've had some really brilliant follow-up releases. Yes. So bands that have maybe put out an EP last year or an album maybe two years ago um, and were something sort of very promising off the back of that yeah. and you know there's a lot of debut albums on this list there's a lot of second albums on this list we've had a lot of good break for acts this year with last year, year as well but I think last year's have very much followed up very strongly this year mm. so it's yeah it's been a it's been a very good couple of years for music which is nice to see absolutely so um 
we'll start with the honourable mentions. Like I said, it could only be full-length records from this year and records that we've not been personally involved in. Okay. Um, and when we did this last year with, um, as you mentioned, George Phillips and Joey Ashworth, um, we sort of ended up having a half-hour conversation about honourable mentions. But this year I decided let's keep it contained, let's keep a bit of a structure to it. And uh, let's whittle it down to five honourable mentions. So essentially, we've got a top fifteen. So buckle, buckle in, because we've got potentially thirty records to talk about. Uh, not thirty, yeah, thirty. Yes, thirty records Quick to maths. talk about today. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Feel like Big Shack now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have it on good authority. He also drinks Smirnoff Ice out of the bottle without right. a straw. So. <laughs> there we go. More in common than you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, I'll, I'll start. I'll zip through my uh, 15 to 11, and then we'll get cracking on uh, my number 10, and then we'll do the same with you. You can give your 15 to 11, and then yeah, sure tell your top 10, and then we'll work our way down each other's lists until we reach that coveted album of 2017 spot. Out of, out of interest, your record of 2016, what took top for you? Uh, so my record of 2016 was Vile Child by Milk Teeth. Yes, okay. Um, uh, yeah, it was very, very close between that and uh, Muncie Girls, mm. um, and also Nothing, uh, their second record. Retrospectively, I think um, one album which I didn't include on the top ten is, you know, one of the albums I've gone back to the most... Uh, from 2016 that I've gone back to the most in 2017 I'm kind of really gutted that it didn't go in the top 10 was the last Every Time I Die album gone back to it so much it's It's, next to the Big Dirty which is the album that got me into them it's my favourite record by Every Time I Die and I think that would have a really good shot maybe not necessarily knocking Milk Teeth off the top because that album's still brilliant but Hmm. really um, you know really threatening to be quite high on that list what was your album in 2016? um it was kind of torn between Low Teens, Every Time I Die, mm. and 22 A Million by Bolivar. Like, those oh, were really? Two that really? See, that album didn't really stick with me, weirdly it's enough. It's a very strange... I remember the first time I heard the singles, and I was... I think it comes back again to what we were talking about with taking risks and things like that. It would have mm. been very easy to do another... I don't... Well, it's not very easy, but to do another Bonivere, Bonivere, or Forever kind yeah. of style record. It's something that he's known to do well. But that one, to go... To dive so far into the electronic side of things, like... Yeah. You, you couldn't see it coming. I, you I, really I, couldn't. After I, that, like much of a break as well to come back with something. Yeah, and been entirely, a long time since entirely reinvent the wheel as far as Bonnevere Records went, which he's done each time. But mm. yeah, and to do it with such authority was yeah, that that really blew my mind. I think I should probably go back to that album because my music it's, tastes have shifted quite dramatically. You know, I still love what I love from the year last year and the year before, but uh, my music tastes have expanded so dramatically this year that I think I could probably uh, stomach it a little bit more. Yeah. So I probably should go back to that Bon Iver record. It's, at it's some a point. strange one because it's not so much. It's not the kind of record that I could listen to. Just go, oh, do you know that song that's really good from this record? It's very much a front to back, like a like a just a big piece of like, especially from like a production standpoint, the ideas that he's working with. And how he's manipulated them in the studio, mm. just phenomenal. Like, yeah, that's an album that stuck with me on the basis of that kind of thing. Awesome. As a as a writer, just how on earth have you done this? <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's what I like to kind of hear. Um, yeah, but yeah, that every time I die record as well. Like the last 
free every time I'd ever because I would just been outrageously yeah. good. Like I was obviously a huge big dirty fan, big hot damn fan. I yeah, kind of lost... I, I was really big into um into into parts unknown. Yeah, and, and I saw them on that uh, just before Low Teens came out at Slam Dunk, and they were on fire. So yeah, I I would definitely sort of uh, say that that. Every time I die, record has been the record from last year that I've listened to the most this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm still listening to it now. Like. Yeah, it's brilliant. I go back to it maybe once every couple of weeks. Um, right, so sorry, I keep going off on tangents. No, no, I? that's cool. That's what bitch and brew is all about. So my number fifteen, I the number fifteen was so hard to pick. It's a difficult one. It, it changed so much. At one point, it was Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. At one point, it was Daisy Head. Uh, at one point, it was Slutface. Um, but my number 15 we had them on the podcast recently or we had Catherine on the podcast recently uh, from the band Fresh their self-titled album is my number 15 it's 21 minutes long um, that's you know 11 tracks uh, yeah, that's <laughs> over very quickly but I like that it's um, power pop punk more more on the pop you know it's punk pop it's super catchy and uh, you know Dave, I think the Dave's bottom... like Dave done a genre that's to me, before like on paper, I shouldn't like that record. It's mm. a genre that, to me, had almost been not done to death, but you kind of knew what was coming. And I remember after we played that Electro Borum show, I went back and stayed at Dan's house, and he was like, "We've just got these mixes back. Have a listen." And it blew every single track. It's got like the most insane hook. Like the lyrics are fucking great. Like every part of that record for me was just yeah. I I know that I'm not one of the. I don't normally listen to stuff like that, but like I've gone back to that record time and time again this year. Really, and I think really the, proud of them as friends and just as musicians. Yeah, just incredible. And, really and the bottom line of it is, it. I think Catherine Woods, their singer and guitarist, is an absolute superstar. Just unbelievable songwriter, unbelievable talent, mm. and only going to get better. Yeah, she, I mean she's still so young as well. You know, she's still in uni, and she's. Yeah, I, I, I see Fresh Ready Going Places off the mm. back of this self-titled record, which Definitely. I'm very pleased about, especially seeing as Dan and George's other band, Sad Blood, R.I.P. Pour one out for Sad Blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, seeing as they're no longer a thing and Fresh is going to be sort of their primary thing, I see Fresh Ready Going Places uh, off the back of this self-titled record. Yeah, for sure. Number 14 is, from a similar sort of genre, um, is Diet Sig. And okay. uh, I swear yeah. I'm good at this. Um it's uh, slightly sort of fuzzier uh, pop music. It gives me gives me sort of really fizzy yeah. feelings. In my, it, it reminds me a lot of a record which I really fell in love with. It's become one of my favourite records of all time, which was uh, Crazy About You by Best Coast. Sort of gave me the same sort of feelings. It's lyrically brilliant, and I think uh, that band have really become bastions for uh, the LGBTQ plus scene. Um, yeah, man. Number 13 is uh, Cassell's and epithet um now i think cassells could be a really important band for britain in the mm. same way that bands like um enter shikari or uh, bear, yeah. bear with me here because they're not musically alike at all no but i know what you mean it's, it's down um, to that risk-taking again and that yeah. like, you know that willing to push the push the boundaries of what you're doing absolutely it's uh, alternative rock, yeah. I suppose, is the sort of bracket that you put want in. To loosely go over there, but it's yeah. one of those things you can't put it in a box. It's, it's so very... ramshackle. It's a two-piece, yeah. and uh, you know it sounds like a two-piece. It's real ramshackle production, uh, really wiry, and it's got a sort of twangy. Um, oh, I hate comparing it to Jamie T, but it's got a sort of semi-rap delivery to it. Yeah, it's very rhythmic. Under, it, under is, vocal it is. Delivery. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, so yeah, Cell's epithet is my number thirteen. Um, 
on the you know on a completely production wise anyway a completely different uh, album for uh, my number 12 is the uh, Chelsea Wolf record yes it's fun um it's uh more more electric uh, mm. than electronic you know cuz i think we've come to expect Chelsea Wolf to be this sort of uh, industrial sort of uh, based artist, but she brought in more guitars. It was produced by Kurt Ballou, which I'm yeah. sure uh, is a man is, we will be yeah. hearing a lot more about uh, <laughs> over the course of this podcast. Um, it's cathartic. Uh, it's really sinister. Uh, it's re- it's just it's a really weighty and dense and in- intense record. I love it, um, and I think it's a real gateway to uh, the sort of more extreme genres. Of, uh, of sort of heavy music. I'm absolutely enamoured by that record. Um, now, my number 11, I really wanted to talk about this album more in depth, but we'll just sort of summarise it, even though it's such a difficult album to summarise, because every song literally sounds completely different. Um, it's Devolver by Jamie Lemmon. Yeah, um, yeah. I was very late to the Reuben party. I saw them at Download in 2007 on the main stage and then didn't really kind of pick it up from there and then they broke up. So yeah. I was very, very late to the it's Reuben party. It's strange how that's happened for a lot of people is they're, they're really proving their worth as one of those really timeless bands yeah. with Reuben and Lemon songwriting as well. Because mm. the fans that were there from, to begin with, they're still there. And I don't know anyone else that's still picking up as many fans as he goes <laughs> so consistently so far after. And, you know, like, I don't know. I can't think of anyone that's, like, really sat down with Ruben and gone, you know what, this is not for me. There's something yeah. for everyone in their song. Oh, so no, I, I, I have since gone back to listen to them. I was just very late to the party when, yeah. they, were, when they were around. No, of course. Uh, Lemon is an absolute genius. Yes. When it comes to, uh, like, a word that's overused a lot, I think Jamie Lemon really merits the, the title of genius. Um, like I was saying, every song sounds completely different from the one before it. Not a single, uh, you know, pair of songs sound the same on the record. Um, and like, you know, I listened to when I listened to Waterloo Teeth for the first time, the first single from it. Um, I, I kind of, I'd imagine I felt like what a lot of people would have felt like mm. when. Uh, Foo Fighters first came out and they released songs like Weenie Beanie yeah. and like listening to that I bet it's I felt the same as people so felt first strangely to the familiar but so completely different to anything I'd expected yeah. and it was like a, a very comforting kind of sound and a way it kind of makes you feel from that Yeah, because it is it sounds like something you've been missing your whole life kind of thing it never felt like I hadn't had that record mm. you know I don't know how to really to put that into words but yeah if I, I don't know, man. It's just it's just, it's a great, real great piece of work. Yeah, and it's uh, it's very challenging, but it's also instantaneous. It's yeah. brilliant from the first listen, and I think it's so uh, approachable for someone who doesn't even like our genre of music. Mm. You could listen to someone like Jamie. Lee, you could listen to a song like Heartbeat, mm. and I can imagine like people who like Royal Blood and not much else from the rock scene would listen to Heartbeat by Jamie Lemon and go, "Fucking hell, that's great." Um, so yeah, so Jamie Lemon unfortunately didn't make it into my top 10, but his album Devolver, if you haven't heard it yet, go and check it out. That's my number 11, so just shy of the top 10. And it's not the last we'll be hearing from uh, the record label Big Scary Monsters. Definitely not. It leads me quite nicely, actually, onto my number 10. Um, now, uh, as I was saying earlier with the uh, you know brilliant follow-up releases, um, I was really uh, interested by kamikaze girls yeah uh, after hearing the sad ep because it was 
Um, it was angsty and it was loud and it had great choruses. And I saw it live and I was like, wow, this, this band could go on to do something really, really great. And then they came out with their debut album, which is called Seafoam. Um, and I've noticed a lot of changes in the band already. Uh, there's a lot more political... It's a lot more mature. Uh, and social, social politics uh, influence. Um, and it's just got so much attitude. Yeah. Um, now, were, were you at the, the show that they did with Nervous at the uh, at the Alexandra Beer Emporium here in Southampton? I, I actually missed that, but I caught them. They were a name that I'd heard for for like uh, a, a long time. I'd been hearing people talk about them and never, for some reason, got around to checking them out. Mm. And then I found out we were playing with them at 234 Fest at Green oh, Door wow. Store. And uh, I got to hang out with them a little bit beforehand. Again, like lovely, lovely, lovely guys. Like just... They really kind of know what they want out of music and it shows on stage. Mm. It's that level of confidence they have and it's completely earned. Such like... Yeah. They're one of my standout sets from 234 Fest. I really, really enjoyed them. They are a really powerful live band. So like unbelievably so. When this record came out, I thought it was really good. Um, I love the guitar tone. I mean, I'm not a guitarist. I couldn't go into the technicalities, but it's really lush and shoegazy, but it's also like a really dense... This is another two-piece and they don't sound like it. At all, yeah. Um, I was I was surprised having like when I found out we played with. I didn't know much about them other than the name, so I kind of did a bit of research and by that I, I, I listened to the songs. Yeah. And then when I was like when I met them, I was like, so where's the others? <laughs> yeah. like, you do this with just two of you, like oh my it's god, crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I saw it live uh, soon after the album had come out, they did a tour with Nervous. Hmm. Who will be seen tonight? Yes, um, yeah, and, very I, and I went for that. there really excited for nervous, and then like, oh yeah, quite like that Kamikaze Girls record. Should be good to see live, and I saw it live, and I saw the amount of sincerity yes. and the amount of rage, and um, and also, but you know, vulnerability, like real perseverance through uh, things like anxiety. Lucinda, their singer, mm. is very sort of honest about it on stage. Um, about how she feels and her mental health, which, you know, can only be applauded. There's a song on it um, uh, called I Don't Want To Be Sad Forever, which is what they finished their set on. And it's just one of the most cathartic live experiences I think I've ever seen. There's um, the highlight of... uh, Because this is such a furious record, um, Lucinda's always had that sort of bikini kill, L7, right girl influence. But uh, there's a song on the record called KG Go To The Pub. Yeah, and it's about um, you know uh, sexual assault in pubs and clubs and being touched inappropriately and sort of a real furious retort to that. Yeah. Um, and before they played that song live, uh, they had actually heard from one of the support acts uh, that that I think I may be wrong in saying this. I think I, I think I've got it right that they were actually uh, someone grabbed their ass. Um, one of the support acts, uh, and then this fucked right off, rightly so. Yeah. And as a result, the 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 chorus to KG go to the pub. The lyrics are "fuck boy sleaze bag." What do you want from me now? Touch my waist one more time, and I'll knock your fucking lights out. That is just brilliant. Yeah. And because they were they had that experience, they just played it with so much more bile and yeah. conviction, and yeah. it became one of the sort of live moments of 2017. And then I went back to the record. And, yeah, it's the contrast of really lush, shoegazy guitars with a real sort of, real raging vocal performance and 
Connor is a beast of a drummer as well. Not necessarily showy, but just really hard hitting. I love this record, and I can't wait to see what Kamikaze Girls uh, do next. They're another one it. that's only gonna go, only gonna go upwards from there. Like mm. they've really, like the foundations of that band were so solid, and yeah. they've just passed the bar. Like I didn't expect it to be like from again we send that first EP and then straight into an album of just. Yeah, it's yeah. just a wonderful band. So that's my number 10. So, Mr. Fisher, um, <laughs> let's hear your honourable mention starting from number 15. So I've got these in a no particular order. I'm going to throw that out there now. And I've got a couple that will clash with yours as uh, the, the fresh release. Again, that's um, a, again with them, with them being... Uh, I always find myself quite close to that band. I've been following them for quite a while. Good, really good friends. And I know George is one of my best friends. Same with Dan, same with Catherine. I know they've got a new guitarist I'm yet to actually meet, but... Yeah. Um, just the loveliest guys. I can't say enough about how talented Catherine is to the point that it upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> it's... The songs are so... So honest. And I think that that's what really pulls through with that band. It's that... It's a band that, you know, they're not afraid to have have fun, but they're also not afraid to shy away from... What the what the band is really about, and that is just about complete and utter honesty throughout song, mm. and they've perfected it. And like I said, the hooks on that record, like Ed, when I first heard that, and I think my only response was, well, I sat there in silence, just listened to that record I think twice, just in dance room, yeah. and I was like, how do you pick a single from this? And I was just like, yeah. how, how do you? Because they're all so they're all such powerful songs. They all have such meaning behind them, and at the same time every single one has got a hook that you want to sing back at them mm. and I was like that's one of the strongest and for, for a I know maybe for us they're not so much a new band but for a band that have come out and yeah for, in this like new the kind of uh, like with the, the member change and everything like that yeah. like, I don't know it's just it really blew my mind at how professional they came out straight out the bat with that yeah yeah I was not expecting that from them like I expected it to be good I didn't expect it to be great and yeah, just really blown away by it. As so, that's your number fifteen. Is it? I'll put that as my again. I've not got a list, a lot of numbers for these. Cause yeah. I found this very difficult. Right, okay. it was just the fact that you'd already mentioned this yeah. one. The same with the lemon one, so I won't dive too much into that. Yeah. Uh, my first one, I'll say, uh, slow dive, self-titled. Okay. This is an album that I slept on for a long time. Uh, our bassist Tom loved it. He kept telling me to check out. He said, "This is my album of the year," and it's realistically only not made my top 10 because I've not really had enough time with it right. but the time that I've spent listening to that it's just unbelievable it's one of the the, the bass tones and like the I don't know every every chord change and every note every inversion on the basses and everything like that everything is so well thought out and like it's, it's a band that you listen to and you immediately have to know more about it it's like what what is this I'm listening to it just it craves your attention mm. But at the same time, it's a really relaxing record. It's not in your face. At all. Have you heard the record? Or I've like? completely slept on this band entirely. I've n- never. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Like within one listen, you'll go, "This this could have been on at any point, and I probably wouldn't have realised." But the moment you give it your attention, you're you're there. That's that. This like, band have been around for some time, right? This isn't this isn't their first album. They've been around for a little while. As far as my way, yeah. I've, yeah. Again, this is a band that I've slept on for a long time, and this is maybe in the last. Uh, three to four weeks that I've really had it on and I've really struggled to turn it off since it's just just incredible yeah it's got that kind of really nice kind of 
almost like a PG Lost kind of post-Rocky vibe with the bass and the percussion right. to it. But then the vocals really set it then apart from that. And it's, again, I couldn't put it in a box. It's just, it's brilliant. I'd, yeah, I'd urge anyone to listen to that at any point in the yeah. day. It's it's great for any occasion. <laughs> um, from there, uh, Roswell Kid. I am a huge, huge fan of this band. Um I don't think I really understood this band until I saw it live supporting they're on the early November tour and I'm an old dude so I was obviously going to go and see the early November and I nearly nearly missed this band and they ended up staying at my house tonight and again just great dudes really really intricate with their music choices and every guitar tone and I listened to it and it in the best kind of way it reminds me of if like a kind of Weezer meets like early feeder like, oh, yeah. and again on paper I would read that review and go that is not for me <laughs> but just unbelievably fun like the most fun band I've seen live this year I would say yeah I so obviously we yeah. exchanged lists we exchanged <laughs> like top 10 lists but not in order because I wanted to keep an element of, of you know surprise to the recording yeah. of the show because we didn't do that last year and as a result I went into this not knowing a lot about the albums that George and Joe presented to me um, but Roswell Kid, I listened to that album and I'd heard a lot about them before they'd been on tour in the US with the Men Singers and yeah. that's just one of the many brilliant support slots that they've had on tours but I've never really gone to check them out um, I in the last two weeks have become absolutely fucking obsessed with this record. <laughs> it is brilliant. It is. I. I was. It know, really. I are... know it's an honourable mention, but it was in your original list. It, and it I, was in my in my original top um, ten, and, I, and I, I had to kind of push it back. I didn't realise how many records come out early in the year that <laughs> I I kind of missed and well not missed but forgot they came out this year. It is. But immense. honestly, like I it... had a real trouble. That's why I said I didn't want to put these mm. in order because any of these could have been 10 if you know what I mean it's yeah, yeah. I um th- there are songs on there that it, it, like it should be illegal how catchy <laughs> um how catchy the song Boomerang is yeah it's because that vocal harmony the I'm not a singer um <laughs> disclaimer it should it should be like illegal how catchy something like there's a there's a song on it um uh, called Wishman, yeah. and it kind of reminds me of the sort of goofing off that Blink-182 do on their record sometimes yeah. with some of the jokier songs. It is literally a 56-second song where the lyrics are, I asked the Wishman to make me a dog. He said, your wish is my command, and I said, woof, woof. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that is the, that's the song. All, and, I, all I can say is I don't, think, I don't think it's possible to paint this band as nice as they are to actually listen to by speaking about it. It's definitely one you have to... If you can see it live, see it live. It's, but just I, the, like, the songwriting it is, again, like... That, that Weezer influence is definitely there with the guitar tones and, like, there's really simple chord choices and inversions and almost like a Smashing Pumpkins-esque guitar, but yeah, in, in a much yeah. more, like, upbeat kind of way. And like, like Siamese Dream Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just a really great time to listen to. And they had that single that came out, I think it's a UHF on, D, on DVD. Yes. And I, I remember the first time I heard that, and I was just like, that's a band that just... Yeah. They... There's no prisoners there. There's no shame in what they're trying to do. And I think a lot of bands that have tried that kind of thing before, that Weezer-y but yeah. poppy, 
and I think even Weezer kind of fall victim to it at this kind of time. Like they don't full commit to it. Yeah. They kind of dive into it a little bit and then go, I don't know if people are gonna be into it. Let's put some of our like, you know, yeah. let's put some deep cuts on there. Um But then with that Roswell Kid record, it's it's just front to back, unapologetic. <laughs> yeah. Alt rock with pop hooks. So um, the, li- the lyrics and... in there are just outrageous. Yeah. Uh, it's But Booger is yeah. one a love song about <laughs> picking your nose. Like <laughs> ah, oh. um uh, yeah so th- uh, we've gone off on a bit of bit, uh, 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 yeah we've gone off a bit it's, it's on this such, one I, it's I know it's an horrible mention but uh, this isn't the last time I'll be talking about Roswell Kiss on, Kid on this okay, podcast we'll, we'll, um, we'll save it then we'll any, any other honourable mentions yeah uh, Circus Survive the Amulet okay so, so this is a band that I have been hugely into I'd probably cite them as one of my biggest influences from wanting really? to play okay. music from when Jatana came out uh, on Letting Go and that even Blue Sky Noise those first three records really shaped the way that I wanted to play guitar and how mm. I listened to music and the layers on those records and the different time signatures and that they're a band that I hold very close the last few albums for me hadn't quite I suppose the last one was really good like a step back in the right direction mm. this one to me I, I, I love the record it's got some some of the best tracks with names that I'll never remember kind of thing because they're really long and just yeah but yeah like uh, Lustration uh, The Amulet um, again I, I know the opening track on it it's, it's just the most unbelievable like it's a band that have really hit their stride and it, it sounds effortless their songwriting but at the same time you can hear just how much has gone into it and it yeah. honestly I, that that was the album of the year for me that just on first listen I just had to sit there and listen to the whole record and just go, really and it's, wow. it, and it's like, fallen is, below top 10 at this point I do, I, this is my issue with it and I this is a tough one for me because I'm a huge fan of this band but they they've they've done a lot of albums now and right. it's difficult to write something that's still true to themselves that's exciting as a new record mm. and that's where it falls short for me is it's very easily passed by as just another Circus Survive record and it's a real shame but it's I'd really recommend anyone t- to check it out it's yeah. you know even if you're not a fan of some of their earlier stuff it's much more it's recorded with Will Yip again, much like the last one. Who's great, great basically producer. like if we had a category on here for producer of the year, he would have smashed it. Like this year, he's just done nothing but hits. It's yeah. just like yeah, everything about the record, like the tones, like the the songwriting, the structures, it keeps you guessing. But it's not something the circuit haven't done before, and that's what I mean about like, as much as it's one of my most played ones. It's not something that I felt took risks. It's it's an easy Circus Survive record if you yeah. kind of know what I mean which is again it's still way more technical than I'll ever be able to do or most other bands yeah. will ever obtain that but yeah it's yeah I, I don't know how to describe why that's not in my top 10 because it really should be <laughs> <laughs> you're making me doubt it <laughs> no, no it's cool man um, I, I have I had one more which yeah. was a uh, I don't know if you're gonna let me have this one because it's technically an EP, but it's the length of a proper full length. Okay, let's let's hear it. So, and this is again, this is one I was introduced to recently. Uh, ben from FVD was like, "This is up your street." I know you like the kind of heavier kind of side of things. Okay. Did you hear? And it's a record. Uh, it's called "The Unforgiving Arms of God" by End. Right. And okay. I he literally we were driving back. 
I think I'd spent the night in Guildford with, with Ben. We were talking music kind of stuff, and he was like, "You need to hear this record." We were talking about this is Ben from Failure by Design ben, Records. Ben Pollard from yeah. Failure by Design. Yes. So um, me and him talk music a lot, and um, I guess we have like a kind of similar taste when it comes to like the heavier aspects. Like we're both big Converge fans. Uh, we're talking about Norma Jean from there, and then we got on to talking about like other things. And he was like, "Did you listen to the new End record this year?" And came out in September, and I was like, "I did not." I won't lie, I completely missed it. And he's like, listen to just this first track. And I, I'm i admittedly, I find it difficult to get into heavy bands these days. Unless it's like uh, something that's already been around for a long time. I feel like it's a genre, like any kind of like, you can kind of hear the influences way too soon. And I feel like from someone that was listening to it, you know, like I, I'm an old guy now. So 15 years ago, I was listening to Norma Jean. So when Norma Jean bring out a new record, I'm still excited. But when I hear a band that come out that sound like Norma Jean now, I go, well, why would, why would I not just listen to Norma Jean? Right. So for a heavy band to really captivate me now, like I was just like, and on first listen, I was just there like, that's the most unfathomably heavy thing I've heard in years. Like probably since Sumac came out, which again was yeah. in my top 10 from last year. Just mm. unbelievable. And and um, uh, the guy from Sumac is on that uh, Chelsea Wolf record yes. as well. So. Dude, that band were like on paper were just they were already gonna be the best band. <laughs> so so it's end as in E N D. Yep. The, right. band, the band's just called End. It's called The Unforgiving Arms of God and it's I suppose technically an E P, but it's it's just a great time. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well more about EPs later. First of all, yes. what, so your top ten starts here. What is your what is your number ten album? I went with uh a band called Dry Jacket who okay. released an album at the beginning of the year called uh, For Posterity. Right. So this is uh, this to me is uh, something that I feel like emo's been lacking for a long time. Trumpets and riffs. <laughs> like in, in one band. Like you know you've got Foxing that are killing on the trumpet side. There's yeah. a few others. Obviously uh, I told you I'd eat you when they smash it. It's just incredible. Yeah. But the, the, like, Smash it they did this year with those oh, yeah. two singles. Unbelievably good. Like yeah so they're, they're set at Arc Tangent as well that was to me like they, they hit the next level for me I, I really rate that band but yeah, yeah. Dry Jacket um, they're just one of those bands that I kind of put along that line of Roswell Kid where I slept on it for the first part of the year and I didn't realise this had actually come out this year so it almost didn't make the list but I've sat with that record a lot and it's every single riff just is it almost reminds me of like a in some parts a really refined doppelganger era Fall of Troy in the guitar writing kind of right. aspect, but then mixed with that kind of uh, like 2004, 2003-esque equal vision kind of epic <laughs> that bands used to have of yeah. like, you know, everything was driven, everything was kind of really raw. There's no like suspicious auto-tune. It's a record of really talented guys. And I, I think it's a case of watch that band live. Like if you like the record, you have to see them live. Have if you, you seen don't... them live this year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think which one they played. Um, I got it wrong earlier. Roswell Kid played the Hotelier and right, and it was dry, was dry Jacket. Dry Jacket were on the uh, early November tour. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that sorry, came. It's to, been that, a real that, good that came, <laughs> that came to the joiners, right? It did. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I lost my mind watching that, and um, I remember finishing that, being really excited to see the early November, and I had to phone George Phillips from uh, Sad Blood Fresh, just to be like, because I knew that he was going to the show the next day. I think. Uh, Sad Blood were playing the show they were opening yes, they were. the next night mm. and I was like dude you, you're you gonna have the best time like this is so up your street it's kind of got that like a I love your lifestyle kind of vibe yeah. but then like the choruses are very almost uh, like into it over it kind of just like real 
just straight to the point, really catchy choruses, and then all of a sudden just a riff out of nowhere. And I was I, like, but not like in a cheesy way, just really intricate. Mm. Not to the point of like tiny moving parts, but that, with elements of that, but far more rhythmic. Yeah. And it just every, I think that's one of my guitarist albums of the year, if you know what I mean. Like there's moments of that record that got me so excited just to play guitar again and just to listen to guitars and like, I would listen to that album instrumentally and even though the hooks are great, like, yeah, I it's think just a really fun listen. I, um, I'm i really glad that you said into it over it because that's one of the things I really took away from this record. I'd not heard it before you sent me your list. Um, I really loved the opening song. Uh, it's acoustic. I can't remember the title of it. It's an acoustic yeah. track, and it Isn't really like reminds a woven me woven something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I really uh, it brought to mind uh, stuff like Mike Kinsella. Yeah, um, like, Wicker Couch is the opening track. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah you Wicker, might be right. Wicker with that Couch one. into EpiPen Pals. Yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah, Wicked just, Couch into yeah. Pen Pals, right. Um, really reminded me of sort of what Mike Kinsella uh, yeah. does on the, the more sort of sprightly um, uh, Owen material or like what what they him and Evan from Into It Over It do with um, the Their 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 project. Mm. Um, apart from that, I don't... I, I love the the guitars, like you said, and love the, uh, the trumpet as well. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily the best... I've heard from this genre of music as such. I'm I'm not as captivated by it as as you are, but there yeah. are some really sort of catchy moments on the record. I I struggle with song names. I haven't really. I've only listened to the record about like two <laughs> or three times. But I think it. Uh, I think the one I remember being particularly catchy. I think it was Two Toasters. Yeah. It might be that or uh, Tight Bond Four. That I just remember. There's those little vocal harmonies in the chorus or like the sort of turns of vocals that just kind of get stuck in your head for a few hours at a time uh, I think I need to spend a little bit more time with it's this a, record it's a strange record because I, I, like I think it. it's it's very easily mistaken for as just another record because right. I remember when I saw that they were the support for the, the early November tour and I checked them out and I was like oh you know I could take or leave this and it wasn't until I saw them live that I was just like wow this that's a statement from a band that like yeah just really blew my mind on a musician's front and as a songwriting front they're they're just nailing it on on all cylinders i really can't wait to see what they do next and it's it's good to have another band like that because i don't know like they could be like they they kind of do merge that kind of for lack of a better kind of thing that into it over it kind of foxing with like the kind of edgier kind of guitars to Mm. it but obviously without the ambience the foxing have and that more like really dry here's just some punk emo songs it's just it's I don't know it's a real good time I really enjoyed listening to that record and I've really enjoyed it again like I said I like, I like to sit there and really break down records and go like this, this is what this guy's doing this is that. then when you see it live and you realise that it's like one dude singing playing lead guitar and then dropping back in for trumpet parts and I'm just like what? Like, <laughs> so what it's the singer that plays yeah plays, that's that's, and and that's what I mean it, mm. it's like catch that band live if you ever get the opportunity because it's it's on another level to the record, and the record's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so Dry Jacket is your is your number 10. Yeah. Um, my number 9. Now, I really wondered when I was putting this list together um, if I was giving this band uh, a free pass um, because I'm absolutely in love with them. They're one of my all-time favourite bands. Um, but then I went back and listened to it a few more times because I... I'd gone away from it for a while and then I kind of came back to it around October, November time and then I couldn't put it down again yeah. um, is the uh, After Laughter by Paramore. 
Okay. Um, right. yeah. yeah. So um, this is. I don't know if I could call it alternative pop. I feel like it's pure pop, and I say that in a yeah. year where, as we were saying before we started recording, um, pop doesn't seem like such a dirty word anymore. You've had brilliant albums from. Uh, I really like the Lord album. Mm, uh, yeah. Really like the album from Heim. I, I was kind of. I think Heim people anyway. are people are starting to realise that you know you you can sell pop music on a very basic form but it doesn't mean that that's all it is mm. if you know what I mean like there's so much more you can do of it and I think people have started to realise that there's a huge market there for uh, not so much like musicians pop but if you if you know what I mean like so much more thought has gone into it than it's not just like a verse chorus verse chorus yeah. you know middle eight you know, chorus to coda kind of thing it, there's so much more going in on it and people love it pop music sells so well because people just they just enjoy it yeah. it's it's mindless you can switch off and that melody is still in your head when you combine that with musicians that are killing it on every single front yeah. and there's you know everyone's thinking about everything that, and everything's such a conscious decision that album is yeah I think we've that's a really we're, good record we're now out of the sort of era of sort of um, corporate overly corporate pop music yeah you know, where the X Factor singles aren't getting to number one anymore and people aren't just sort of mass-consuming pop music, which is just sort of put out without much thought. Yeah. You know, like I said, brilliant Lord album, great Heim album, really like the Lana Del Rey record. Yeah, um, uh, I even quite like the Dua Lipa record. I know she's on a very much more commercial tip one, and, yeah. you know, is very much daytime play on Radio yeah. 1 all the time. Um, I didn't think... 2017 would be a year I didn't think any name a year and I didn't think it would be a year where I would say I really liked that Kesha record uh, it's great and we've even it's even been a year where we've had a good song from the Killers oh the, yeah that the, was a great the, the, the man yeah. right it sounds like um, the sort of Death of the Bachelor Panic at the Disco I, I heard so that and bombastic. I lost my mind I was like I can't work out if this is awful or the best thing I've ever heard I haven't bothered and... going to the <laughs> I haven't bothered going uh, to the album because I'm I'm not much of a fan of them anymore. Um, but yeah, so Paramore um, feels like the move they needed to make. Yes. Um, and I feel like they have uh, made that move sonically, but also aesthetically. Mm. By which I mean they are not um, a band who are still trying to associate themselves really heavily with the rock scene mm. and still trying to convince people we are a rock band. They mm. are... A, now a pop band playing pop music and as a result they're doing it with more conviction this is better yeah. this is a better sort of move into pop than like anything that Fallout Boy's done post Folly Adieu hmm. or you know I, I prefer it to the last Panic at the Disco record all, all the bands from this sort of era which have kind of gradually left rock music yeah um, and this one I, felt like the most natural progression I would absolutely. say a lot of them felt like it was oh this is another one that's going pop kind of thing mm. like the Fallout Boy one Admittedly, I did like a few of those of the tracks they were putting out, but it it felt very forced. It felt like we need to make a change. And we didn't know what to do, so we went with what was gonna sell. Yeah. And I just thought it was a very, it could have been such a bolder move. That Paramore one, there's like I said, so much conviction behind it, and you can tell. Listen to it, like they've done the research, they know what they're trying to achieve, and they did it. And it's yeah, it's got that real cool like Fleetwood Mac esque. Yes. Almost like the tones um, of like a stranger kind of Peter Gabriel songs. Peter Gabriel, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Blondie, yeah. um, especially with Hayley on this record, Hayley Williams. Um, 
it's still got that sort of Paramore stamp to it. I don't know what, it's just that slightly the... uh, sharper snap of a delivery, um, especially with the fact that uh, Zach, Far- uh, Zach Farrow is now back on drums. Yes. When I heard that Zach was back in the band, Zach's one of my favourite drummers of all time, and when you watch him perform, you know, especially live, you realise how technical he is, and yeah. he still smacks those drums well, like an absolute you... bastard. But... Did you listen to the Half Noise release that he put out? Um, I didn't. It kind of passed me by. When you hear that, I think that's when you realise that natural progression to him rejoining, mm. and then the kind of the sound they went with for after laughter. Mm. Just like all of a sudden, it makes a lot of sense, and you just go, "That was." I think that's to me is what really tied it together as like a natural progression. Like it's, it doesn't sound like half noise, but when you mix the two of what the, both Paramore with their self-titled and then Half Noise were doing, this was going to happen. And it's I'm yeah. really glad it did. It's I yeah. Like I said, I think it's the move that Paramore needed to make because once they said that Zach was back in the band, I was, you know, kind of... I, I hate being like, oh, you know, make an album like one of your old albums. Yeah. You know, make Riot again. Uh, and if they did that again, then I'm sure it probably would have sounded great. But this yeah. is something truly special. Well, I, I think, think they for must Paramore. have realised that at some point... They've been making similar albums with very small changes each time. Yeah, and like I, I remember Riot coming out and just being like, "Wow, that's that's how you write choruses." And then Brand New Eyes come out, and I was like, "That's how you write songs." Yeah, and like just front to back. There's just not a bad thing to say about every riff and every mm. every drum feel was just on point. That self-titled one has got some of the best songs they've ever written on it, but it just didn't. It but, never really connected with me. It just, it felt it's like it was too lacking. long. It's yeah. way too long. Um, whereas this one, it's... I don't think they fully nailed it yet. Um, I, th- I think they really have nailed it, but there, there are still things that I think they were trying to play around with on this record. There's that uh, song on the... Uh, like the uh, second to last song, which is sort of has that backgroundy, shouty vocal from someone else, I guess, vocalist. It's the dude from Me Without You. Uh, is it? Yeah. yeah, and they're supporting... I know on, that uh, they've been... Uh... It's Hayley's favourite band. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it really fit on that record necessarily. I feel like it was maybe a it bit too. It was a too strange extent. choice. I think that was a, I think that was probably more for Haley than anything. Yeah. But I'm really glad that. But I love that as a standout track. Mm. But I know what you mean. In the album, it seems like the aesthetic of it doesn't really blend. Yeah. Like it's yeah. And also, it, I think I'll sign off on this one by going if you don't dance in public <laughs> to the baseline to Rose Coloured Boy. Then I think you have. Yeah, you need to have a word with yourself. You, you have no soul <laughs> or heart. That is absolutely irresistible. So Paramore After Laughter is my number nine. Uh, your go. What's your number nine? Uh, Pleasantries by Decade. Right. So this is yes. one that didn't originally make my top ten on the basis that I thought it'd come out in 2016 <laughs> because those songs. I think I listened to it so much. I, I, it feels like I've had those songs in my head for about five years now mm. because they're just unbelievable. Like it's such a great record. Um, just from the opening, uh, the opening parts of like Human Being, and you realise this is a band that went from like what kind of like an alt rock pop punk kind of outfit to really honing in on their own sound, which they kind of had before. But then I, I don't know how to really describe that sound that they've now pitched in for. But it's just. I don't know. It's it's got that real nice grunge element, but they never lost that pop sensibility in the vocal. And it's every single song on there has got like a hook that will stay with you. Mm. And it's yeah, it's just a real a real good time. That one is. It, it always seemed to me like um, 
it always seemed to me like decade were sort of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yes. Um, because yeah. they've been on a lot of uh, support slots. You saw them always touring with Love and Atlantis. You saw them always touring with, I think, Blitz Kids. It's kind of part yeah. of that era where a lot of those bands... You know, I was going to maybe talk about this later. We decided not to do a worst album of the year, but those sort of Yumi at Six, Love and Atlantis, Death Havana type bands are yeah. all starting to... Uh, move away from rock music and sort of make music intentionally to get on the radio. That's my thought of it anyway. Whereas Decade are making a record where, yes, it could be absolutely massive. And I saw them on the main stage at 2000 Trees Festival and I thought they were great. Phenomenal um, live. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but then I went, I, I must admit, this record kind of passed me by because it was at the start of the year. Yeah, very early on. I a thought lot was, of records I come out at the start of the year and, um, you know. Uh, it just kind of passed me by. Then I saw them at 2000 Trees. Hmm. And I think it was maybe... I hadn't seen them in a while, live. But I just went, wow, fucking hell, they're, they're really starting to... Did you nearly choke on your beer just then? There was a bit more in it than I thought there was. <laughs> <coughs> I, I went for the uh, the Stone Cold. <laughs> Very nearly backfired. You're lucky me. we're not shotgunning beers on this. Oh, God. Did you... Um, off, off topic of shotgunning yeah, no, beers, because sure. I have any excuse to tell this story... Uh, George Phillips and Sad Blood played a house show in Southampton and I don't know if you'll hear you might have heard this story before but it's one that's always worth telling okay he let everyone know for some reason that he'd never shotgunned a beer and he had all these these tins with him and he was like I want to I want to shotgun a beer and we are like you're going to do it mid-set and they've got that break in uh, what was the second track from their first EP Oh, that one yeah um, oh, I can't remember the name of it but um yeah, it's got it's got that break in it before the vocal kind of hook comes back in, and he was like, "We're gonna stop there. I'm gonna shotgun a beer, and then we're gonna go back into it." And I was like, "This is like if anyone knows George Phillips, this is the most George Phillips idea <laughs> you could ever have." And uh, it went with the idea of like, so he didn't really know what he's doing, and he's kind of panicking. So he keys this beer, and he puts up to his mouth, and he realizes like, so he shotguns it because if he has to at that point, because we're all everyone's cheering him on, he says, "There's no out." He's still got his guitar pick between his fingers and he swallows his guitar pick. <laughs> and it's one of the best it's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And it was just a and and again in typical George fashion, he didn't have another guitar pick. So then had to ask for like uh has anyone got another pick? Or and like was, a coin or something. Yeah, like it was honestly, it was the most the most George Phillips moment. From someone that's known him for so many yeah, years, yeah, like, we, that George was is a, is that a, was the pinnacle of George. Like, I'll never let him live that down. And that every uh, time I see him, I, I want him to shotgun a beer because I feel <laughs> it's. I did not know that story, and it was at a house show in Southampton. So he's playing in someone's kitchen, nearly choked on his guitar pick, and then yeah, it was just great. He had brilliant. to stay in mind that night, and I just wouldn't let up on it. I'm really sorry. I've got off topic. So decade, yeah. yeah, yeah no, decade. I, I, I think that that, <laughs> that opening track, "Human Being," uh, you know, we'll talk about the songs of the year later. But it's such a strong opening, mm. and I think as a result, I think this record is really going to open a lot of doors for them. I think Definitely. if they decide to sort of stick with making rock music, yeah, uh, alternative rock music, then I think by those sort of like I said earlier, that generation of Love and Atlantis, you meet six bands moving on to different things, then there could be a real place for decades yeah. to become everyone's new favourite band. I really hope so, because 
This they've record... been a band. It's like you say they they seem to support everyone. They outplay everyone that they play with, and yeah. then somehow they still don't have the fan base to go off and do their own. And they that mm. band should be huge. Like don't run, they're doing well, but they they yeah. should be a lot bigger. They're such a good band, and on every front as well, everyone in that band brings something. Like they're obviously their singer Alex, just incredible vocalist, incredible yeah. writer. But then the unsung hero of that, they're they're. Uh, I think he's their rhythm guitarist. He does the backing vocals. Right. He could be fronting that band of that voice. It's yeah. it's not fair how good both of those guys are at singing to be in a band, and it's it comes across so well live. How well rehearsed and mm. yeah, every harmony is just there. It sounds like the record, and it's mind blowing to hear that. And a amazing production. I think the record's really good, but I think there's a lot of space for growth. And Definitely, I, yeah. I want to allow Decade to have that space for growth. I yeah. don't. I, I want them to be able to step up and do more headline shows and mm. be sort of more in the public eye off the back of this record. I think, you yeah. know. Yeah, well, it's been out for almost a year now, and I think I think the cycle for that one's starting to close up. But mm. I think I think it's a different... I think their first album was a lot more accessible. Right. The, I, I think I Good Luck, was first, it? I haven't heard the first album. Good Luck's a lot more of like a straightforward pop-punk record with that Weezery, grungy kind of vibe. Okay. Whereas this one, they went with a much more mature sound, and it's it's such a phenomenal record. But I can see why it didn't elevate them per se because it is a change. It's it's way less accessible. Yeah. But it is still very accessible at the same time, just not in the same way that that first one was. And I don't think that's going to make sense unless you've heard both kind of thing. Mm. But when you have tracks like uh, "Turn Off Your TV," which has got one of the most pop vocal lines. I've ever heard in my life but played over this like almost uh, there's like a lead line with like a rotary kind of effect on the guitar that sounds like really Soundgarden like <laughs> and this is like it's such strange referencing like that that makes that album style to me it's yeah that I think they've really perfected that sound mm. and I'm really excited to hear what they do next they're a band that just I've always kept me guessing as to what they're going to do I'm, I'm really excited for that Great. Again, I nearly didn't put that on my top ten. I, I completely yeah, forgot. It's I, come I out thought that had been out bit, for but... a lot longer than it had, yeah. just because of how much I'd listened to it. It's it's great, and you know, if you haven't heard it yet, it kind of passed you by at that sort of awkward time of the year when a lot of new music's coming out. Then I would definitely recommend it. Decade with pleasantries. Yes, your number nine. Yeah, it was a it's a great one. For, it came out the same day that we released our EP. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, a lot of other things overshadowed yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So number eight, this is um, this is the real shit. This is real now, motherfucker. Okay, Code Orange. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I thought I'd throw in a bit of a curveball. Wow. No, we are yet to hear <laughs> that. I think it's no surprise that Code Orange is going to be in my top ten. But no, yeah. <laughs> this now this is some real shit. Um, I think this is an album that a lot of us were really looking forward to. Um, off the strength of the first record and uh, have really sort of kicked the door down for heavy music this year. My number eight is Employed to Serve with The Warmth of a Dying Sun. Unbelievable record. Now, uh, when I was drafting the bonus award categories at the end of the show, I did have an idea for musical moment of the year, which would be like a part of a song which is just absolute sonic perfection. And my... uh, if we'd have still done that category, we're not going to do it. Um, but uh, if, but you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to pick a musical moment of the year, it's the bridge on I Spend My Days Wishing Them Away, yeah. where it just comes in with those 
massive it's a crushing song mm. it's so heavy you cannot believe it and then it just comes in with these amazing melodic guitars it's just sort of perfectly encapsulates it's on the midpoint of the record and I think it perfectly encapsulates what this record is for them yeah. um, it's added so many dimensions to that first I loved Greyer Than You Remember which was their debut record um, but this has groove um, it has even more menace and crunch to the riffing than the first record. I think Justine's voice was already brilliant. It's gotten a lot stronger. Um, the production on that new record as well is it's, just, it's tenfold. Just produced by by your friend of mine, Lewis Johns, right here in Southampton. Um, and the interplay that Justine has with Sammy now doing the vo- more vocals on mm. the record this time as well. Um, as I was saying earlier, I think they kicked down that door mm. for extreme music this year particularly for the fact that um they went on tour with milk teeth yes as i'll be talking about oh, i've got to say that more was in depth later tour, on tour of the year for me like okay every part of that tour was just with wallflower as well yeah what, like what, it's such a i don't know who pe- like pieced those three bands together and thought it would work Mm. But I want to high five all of them because that yeah. was like that was like my musical taste for like a lot of the year. Put in one show and so, touring the country, it was just yeah. yeah catching that joiners was just one of the best times because Milk Teeth had previously been on the Creeper tour. I think a lot of fans gravitated towards that tour off the back of them supporting Creeper. Yeah, you saw a lot of the same people at the Creeper show that you you know at the Milk Teeth show that you would have seen at the Creeper show. Yeah. Um. So putting on a band like Employed to Surf beforehand. It's a risk, yeah. It's a it's huge. So so bold. Um, I love the fact that Justine and Becky appeared on the cover of Kerrang magazine yeah, together. Yeah, huge I think, Now I think they took a real risk by being on that tour, and I think it paid off. And um, with the record, I think you know it goes from being a sort of real shit kicker of a hardcore record. <laughs> You know, opening that's, with... That's a strong adjective to yeah, go with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, opens like a hardcore record. Then you've got that song, I Spend My Days Wishing Them Away, which if yeah. you haven't heard yet, is one of the absolute yeah. most brilliant moments of the year, as I said. Um, and from there, it kind of goes to being this sort of devastating, grandiose metal record. Like yeah. proper... Uh, and it goes into post-metal. It goes into doom um, obviously, Justine is, plays a pretty integral part in the running of Holy Raw Records, yeah. uh, which I'll be talking about later. I'm dropping lots of hints here. I'll be talking yeah. about them later <laughs> as well. Um, but I just think this has added so many layers to what Employed to Serve do, so much so that they've become one of the most promising heavy bands in the UK, possibly the world, honestly. And uh, I think with the added... Uh, effect of them being just so amazingly intense live I was really ho- I was really worried for them after seeing them at 2000 Trees Festival yeah. and I'm assuming you saw them at Arc Tangent I did yeah um, so I saw them at 2000 Trees Festival and I think 2000 Trees Festival is really good with it's staggered stage uh, times yeah. it's really brilliant for that but for some reason they were put on in one of the smaller stages at the same time that Black Peaks were on the main stage Ugh. with Black yeah. Peaks being, there being a lot of crossover between the fan bases employed to serve have played to a fairly sparse crowd and I was like damn if it's like this what's it going to be like when they support Milk Teeth but they tore the joiners to fucking shreds yeah. on that tour um, 
I th- I think I I absolutely love this record. It's so um, intense and immersive. And I'm really interested about what you were saying earlier when you're talking about the end record about how you don't get so excited about heavy music anymore. How do you feel about Employed to Serve? Yeah, I um I was fortunate enough to see them before I listened to them on record. Right. And I like. I, obviously, like I was immediately bummed out. I hadn't been listening to them on record for a lot longer, but one of the plus sides from that was actually having no idea what I was in for. Yeah. And then seeing them, uh, I don't think it was the Miltief tour, it was one of the ones before that, I can't remember which. Cause, right, okay. But I remember just watching them and just being like, I, I remember needing a drink and just like, like it, it can wait. <laughs> there's, there's not many bands that will do that, but like, I was just literally stood there, I was like, I don't know who to watch, I don't know what to watch, but I know I need to be watching yeah. this. It was just so mesmerising. And that's without the music added to it. If you know what mm. I mean, like as a live band, there's something else. It, there's so much fun to watch. Yeah. There's so much passion, and again, like every, every song has so much conviction behind it, and it's yeah, it's, a, it's a, just a really powerful statement that they make live. And then when you throw in those songs that have those kind of like, uh, I remember listening to one and thinking like, man, like this sounds like a slower version of the Bled. And yeah. I, was, I was losing my mind. I was really... <laughs> you know what, I'm so glad... You, after you were talking about Norma Jean earlier, because yeah. the fact that they've done a Norma Jean cover, they've uh, yeah. they've covered Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste. Um, and, it's uh, one of those songs that you just don't cover, but it's just done so well. Yeah. I was just like, oh, wow. This it, is... It's uh, the daring band that I think the UK yeah. heavy music scene needs. Mm. Um, Definitely. And I think the UK heavy music scene's in a great place at the moment with things like Venom Prison coming out and yes. um, we'll talk more about Holy Rule Records later but I think what makes this record top 10 territory for me is the fact that it makes that wonderful transition from a really brutal hardcore record to a really almost beautiful metal record that last song um, Apple Tree yeah. uh, which has this sort of one very simple guitar melody and they use it for the whole four and a half minutes whatever this i think it's longer than that actually i think it's you know in the five minute territory um and it just builds and builds and builds and then goes back to the beginning and builds and builds and builds again um it's so suspenseful and intense um and something to really champion as one of those sort of transcendent heavy records yeah so there we go employed to serve is my number eight definitely uh what's your number eight Right, so my number eight record was As You Please by Citizen. Right, I've been really interested to talk about this record with you ever since it's been on your list. So it's a record that, from their last two releases, I feel very much kind of go hand in hand with this in the sense that I really didn't know where they were going to go with this record. Right. And I think it really is a testament to the band that keeps you guessing because going from youth to everyone's going to heaven to As You Please is... With no explanation between that as well. Have you always very... been into the band? No. Right. Um, I remember when Youth came out, and it was a lot more um, those kind of fast, kind of chordy riffs, and like uh, I, I've always enjoyed the vocal, but not necessarily the band. Right. I thought okay. the hooks were always there, the lyrics have always been nice, but it's it wasn't until the second full length that Everyone's Going to Heaven that I really stopped and went, wow, this is a band that mm. all of a sudden went from being just a band that were there to craving your attention. Just yeah. Really, really important. <laughs> <laughs> Do you 
Do you, just, if you want to eat as much spinach as me and try not to burp, then just <laughs> let it out. Just yeah. let it out. I, I, I apologise for anything. Pitfalls of being a vegan yeah. is you get yeah. all the <laughs> spinachy hot sauce burps. Yep, that's my life. So you were on the sort of um, because I think every everyone is going to heaven is a very polarising record in the way that it is very challenging. Hmm. Um, it's a word that we're using a lot today, isn't it? Challenging. Definitely, um, but I think it's an important I, I word. That's quite I think exciting. It's, um, challenging records definitely have a place in music forever. Mm. I think you know if if they weren't being released, then it would all stay so stagnant. And I think a lot of the reason we're talking about it is because those are the important records of the year. Those yeah. are the ones that really challenge you to go and really break the records down and go, well, what is happening here? And challenging doesn't have to be a bad thing, like by any means. I think challenging in. Uh, I wouldn't even describe necessarily that second Citizen Risen as challenging rather than it is jarring. Yeah. How smooth the production and the the songs are and the way they're performed on youth is very, very accessible, very... It felt like it was aimed at a younger audience and then they brought out this. It was just such a such a statement of, you know, we're not that band. Mm. We, we can do this. But never really explained it in a what comes next kind of way. Yeah. And... Going between like uh, like to pick like three songs for me, it's going from like roam the room to stain, and then to maybe I I forgive no one. Yeah, it's very difficult to tell that that's the same band in a way. Mm. But I really feel like they brought together the best parts of those first those first two records, and then they've made their best album yet out of those two sounds. It's your favorite Citizen record. Yeah. See. But in in a sense that I find them so difficult to compare because yeah. they're nothing alike, and it's that's what I love about this band so much is that you won't. I, already, I I want to know what LP four sounds like, yeah. and there's no way anyone's gonna know. Like, yeah, I have a confession to make. I didn't like this record so much when it came out. No. Um, I kind of listened to it a couple of times and I think I kind of went wrong with the uh, fact that it's not a record that you can just put on in the background. No, not at all. Um, it kind of gives you that impression of an easy listening record yeah. but all the intricacies are so buried in there that I... it takes a long time to kind of dig them out and it's a very worthwhile process but it's not a short album and there's a lot to find in there. Because mm. you put it on and it starts with Jet and In the Middle of It All, which are yeah. the, the two, the two lead, lead singles. Lead singles. And um, I think that builds it up to be a very sort of straightforward alternative rock record. Yeah. Um, it kind of starts in the same vein as that kind of Manchester Orchestra, Like a Virgin Losing a Child, Wolves at Night kind of guitar yeah. with a much yeah, warmer yeah. tone to it that kind of makes you think, well, where are they going with this? And then when it comes in and it has that really striking kind of alt-rock kind of uh, mm. feel to it all, it's very comfortable from word go to the point that it almost feels like it's back to that old youth-style citizen where yeah. youth to me felt very background, whereas this is... After everyone's going to heaven, it's definitely not a background record, but I can see why people would view it that way because it's not as striking. It's a very smooth, it's a very delicate record. Yeah. But still with the conviction and the angst that people i think really liked about their second mm. second record though I, yeah. I i kind of listened to it once or twice and i was uh, i i think it was a bit flat i got a bit bored um because it yeah. sets it sets itself up so much with the first two songs being those lead two singles and um and i just kind of put it put it down and went i'm i'm just i was kind of come to terms with the fact that this band was just going to be there and i was going to yeah. be like fine 
Um, then when you sent us your list, um, and Citizen was on it, I was like, right, I should probably go back to it again, and it clicked. Hmm. This is a really beautiful record, and it takes those uh, extra listens to really realise the intricacies. I think and you appreciate it a lot more for it. It's, it's... A, it's a really beautiful record and very warm, uh, but again, very challenging mm. record. And yeah, it's it's great. And I, I'm I'm now with you. I I, I think this is. Pro- I was really into Citizen on uh, Youth. And then everyone is going to heaven. I kind of drifted into that. Like I said, it was a polarizing release, and I was kind of on the yeah. less keen side um, of the audience. Uh, this album's like fully brought it back for me, and I'm now really interested to hear what they're doing on. Well, I think they've from, really cemented themselves in there as an alternative rock band who can really they can do anything they seem to turn their hand to. Yeah, and that's what makes them so exciting. That's what makes them the band that they are. Not because of what they're doing right now, but what they can be doing next year, what mm. they can be doing the year after that. And on top of that, what they've already done. Like, yeah. this is a really stellar record. But then it really puts out there that the possibilities for them are endless in that kind of sense. That as much as they've, they've done youth, they've done the polarizing record, they've done the commercial record, and then where are they going to go from that? And they've found some sort of middle ground between the two, but still doesn't sound like either of the two records. Yeah. And it's, yeah. A band that's not willing to settle, I'm, I, yeah, I'm really big on it. Great. Um, so my number seven kind of staying in the same sort of uh, genre if you will uh, it's another band that delivered on the promise of an EP which came out last year Um, it's Can't Swim and their debut album Fail You Again I was really really into that EP Death Deserves a Name I believe was the title of it Um, there were elements of emo true emo and yes, yeah. uh, uh, punk and dare I say they kind of reached into sort of Americana territories on the EP as well with the sort of more sl- the slower more considered songs I would say and well, see, it was, it's an album that really has it all kind of thing there's, yeah. there's songs for everyone on it and it's, yeah and the, the EP was uh, it was hard to pigeonhole it into a single genre it was um, it was like nothing I'd really ever heard before and I think the, the defining part of that is um, is their singer Chris Laporto I mean he his voice he, he mm. I was trying to explain it the other day because um, one of the bands I really sort of share as a uh, mutual love for with my with my dad is the Gaslight Anthem yeah um, okay. and Can't Swim from New Jersey as well and I was trying to explain to my dad what Can't Swim sound like because we're going to see Creeper tonight and their main support I'm excited to see them I haven't I'm, seen them before so. oh yeah I saw them support Boston Manor at the Joiners last year and uh, they were fantastic yeah um and I was trying to explain it. It's very difficult to explain, but I think I my dad's going to really love them because I think they have those sort of touches of the latter-day Gaslight Anthem, the less sort of Springsteen-y type Gaslight that we had. Mm. Uh, but with Chris's, he's got a gravelly voice that's so sharp as well, and it's got real punch to it. There's, um, it's got a real commanding presence. But at the same time, it's very emotive, and this is uh, the, the. I don't want to use the word self-deprecating, but lyrically, it's yeah, a very it's cathartic it's, and it's an honest record. It's yeah, and it doesn't pull any punches. It, it's very on the nose. It's very. This is how it feels. This mm. is how I'm gonna write. And it's very self-loathing, and it's very reflective. Um, but then, it's just got so much bite to it. Hmm. I think 
you know, it's got touches of Rise Against to it. Um, punk, sort of post-hardcore crossover. Um, like I said, Latter-day Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. Uh, it starts so strong with such a fierce bounce of a tune. I think it ends really strong as well. It's got the uh, gang vocals on the final track, which, you know, the, the, the name escapes me, but... Um, then it goes into the more emotive moments on the record, which I think are really, again, like the Citizen records, subtly beautiful. Very, very considered. Like very considered. Very... And the fact they're a five-piece now, because mm. they recorded this as a four-piece, uh, now they're a five-piece, they've got three guitars. And let's face it, five-piece bands with three guitars, they sound big, don't yeah. they? They sound huge. When done well, it's it's my favourite lineup you can have. Yeah, it's... exactly. Yeah. Um I think when they go big on this record, so the, the, there's a song on it called Hey Amy, um, which I think is definitely Chris's defining moment on the record in terms of that self-loathing, sort of cathartic vocal delivery, um, and also the song Friend, um, which, you know, I, I don't know so much about the backstory of Can't Swim, but you definitely get the vibe. It's a very personal record, yeah. um, and you certainly get that from them live. It seems like they have a sort of writhing presence to them. Um, again, I I can't stop using the word cathartic today, can I? It's cathartic and it's <laughs> challenging and it's immersive. Let's use some different words. Or no, I think, uh, you know, all in all, I think this record is so strong. It's got some great singles and I think it's very fierce, but it's not afraid to show its vulnerabilities. And I think that... Um, in the absence of bands splitting up, I think they could go to the top. And yeah. uh, I would like to see them get to the sort of level that Gaslight Anthem did. I don't think they'll be afforded the sort of opportunities that the Gaslight had with their connections with uh, Springsteen, where they, you know, got to play like massive Hyde Park shows. But I am really excited about this band. Yeah, and- I'm really excited to see what they do next and how they're going to really tour this. I'm really excited to see them probably of everyone tonight like they're just the one yeah. band I haven't seen before mm. so that's the band I'm going into going like I'm really excited for this because I mean Nervous fantastic but you know they're going to smash yeah. it you know what I mean like it's yeah. it's it's just a given like they're going to be incredible like Microwave again phenomenal band love their record can't wait to see them live again but you know they're going to be great can't speak for me like, I can't take a word they're going to be great but for me I'm, I'm excited for that and that's yeah. listening to that record just solidified how much of an exciting and promising band that they can be. And I just want to see them achieve it. That's right. that's it for me with them. Yeah, so Can't Swim, Fail You Again is my number seven. So, your number seven, Dan? Uh, my number seven would be uh, Julian Baker, Turn Out The Lights. Which is... Where do we start with this record? Seriously. Yeah. It seems to have like a... It's got all of the best things about the first Julian Baker record. Those really honest, just intimate lyrics... That are just they just don't pull any punches. There's no hiding behind them. It's just very to the point. It's very on the nose, and it's so heartbreaking to to listen to them. But at the same time, I'm so honest, it's it's a really cathartic and immersive record. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I get it. It's got such a like. I think the tones on this record are the un, unsung hero of it. Like the use of the keys now being brought in and the piano mm. that kind of sounds so reverby and washed out and almost even like. Like it could have been out of tune. Like it sounded like they tried to merge almost like a Keaton Henson vibe with some sort of like post rock vibe with the guitars, and it's just honestly mm. like listening to that. Just first listen through. I remember hearing they've got the intro track into uh, Appointments, 
and the first time I heard appointments I, I just lost my mind like lyrically the performance of it like the guitars like it's a masterclass in knowing when not to play and leaving space and yeah. that, that to me just like and then you've got those those other customers like the the end of the record there's got like um a sour breath and that whole outro piece of um the was it the harder i swim the faster i sink and it's yeah. just repeated over and over again until i was like oh my god this is just yeah just a really phenomenal record and i can't help but draw that keaton henson inspiration from that because yeah. it's the, the kind of sparse chords like the delivery is obviously very different julian's got a much more powerful voice and when that's used it's just yeah it blows everything outside the water as far as that goes i was i was a huge fan of this record this year were you were you a fan of the last record as Sprained well Ankle, i was a big fan of yeah yeah okay I yeah like- I, I was i was big on it as well and i don't know whether um it's the amount of expectation around the record which means i haven't listened to it as much uh turn out the lights i mean yeah. um as it's a very difficult record to listen to and mm. not in the way that other records have been on this list where it's challenging this is so intensely personal yes um, if you are going through something like a breakup or a bereavement I think it is basically impossible to listen to this record on account of how absolutely heart-wrenchingly powerful it is um, I think it's beautiful um, yeah I for lack of a better phrase it would be the breakup album of the year <laughs> like, without a doubt yeah but there's so much more to it than that like yeah oh, it reminds yeah. me of um i put off listening to the first bonnevere record because someone told me it's like the breakup album of the year man you have to hear it and i was like why on earth would i want to hear that like if, if something's coined as that i think like oh it's gonna sound like snow patrol or something you know what i mean like, <laughs> and i just like i couldn't praise it and when i finally got to listen to it, it was like why did they tell me it was like the break of the year? This is just a beautiful record. Yeah. And it's so open and honest. And this is, but in a very different way. Like, the tones are so warm. The recording aspect of it is so professionally done. Everything's so tight. And the power of her voice really, it speaks volumes. And especially her live performances now, she's playing keys a lot more. So is I, she? Because she's, yeah. uh, you know, sort of predominantly on guitar. But is she doing keys as well? well? I suppose there's songs where she would dip between the two, right? Yes. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> you haven't seen her live on this, uh, right? vi- Videos and stuff like that from other right, people okay. going to it. Um, but yeah, I just... From, from the record when there's tracks that are predominantly piano and things like that, then it's that mixed with her voice, it, it blends so well that mm. I think it's, it's a step up and a step aside from Sprained Ankle. Yeah. And obviously when you're doing that singer songwriter style that is very open and honest you can't go many places and i think i i was worried with this record coming out to see how they were going to adapt and how it was going to become its own record rather yeah. than just sprained ankle part two right uh but yeah yeah really, yeah I, I certainly get that because it, it adapted in a really perfect way and it, i think it's it sounds like it's going to be one of those timeless records to me in a way that i think sprained ankle really was like that is that year this one I think will be the one that I listen to for a very long time right okay I, I love the first record I, I don't know what it is about this one it just was like everything I loved about that first one was just amplified on this one huge amounts of anticipation around this record as well yes. she's definitely become 
Uh, Almost like a cult singer song right yeah, at this point. She's a critic's favourite. Mm. She's got a huge cult fan base, like you say, and I think it really stepped up to it rather well. Weirdly enough, there there is another album which I think you probably have kept in your list. We won't say what it is because I don't want to spoil no spoilers. <laughs> um, but there is actually uh, an album on your list that I listened to for the first time when you sent it to me, mm. and I've actually gravitated towards it more. Than Julian Baker. Yes. Um, yeah. Chin stroke. I know exactly lot, what you mean. A lot of foreshadowing, but yeah, this is a yeah. this is a truly uh, yeah. It's just a beautiful piece of work, and it's it's again an album that should be listened to as an album, and I I'm a huge fan of that. Like front to back, it tells a story. It's you know it's uplifting where it needs to be, and it's crushing when yeah. it, when it's supposed to be, and. I know people that have said it's a beautiful record, but I just can't listen to it on account of it being. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like the Notebook or something like the audio <laughs> film. It's my favourite film, but I can't watch it because I cry every time. Um, okay, so Julian Baker, turn out the lights. Um, yeah. Thoroughly recommended, and have a box of tissues nearby because you, you will cry at that record. Many, um, many times <laughs> it's making me want to cry now it's so emotional um, that's the Smirnoff talking yeah. <laughs> um, so I think this one's going to surprise a lot of people my number six um, you know I've been able to do some amazing things this year not going into like too self-indulgent here okay. but I've been able to do some amazing things and one of the things was I got to write my first cover feature for Upset Magazine and I think when you have to spend a lot of time, when you're a journalist, when you have to spend a lot of time with a record, I think it really just becomes a part of you. Um, I could happily spend days on end with the debut record from the Gospel Youth. Um, it's called Always Lose. It's. I was trying to think of what I could write about it that I haven't already written about yeah, it. Because sure. like I said, I wrote a cover story on this band, spent a lot of time with them. and They've had a great year as well. Yeah, reviewed the record. And, um, you know, they, they started the year on... Well, it wasn't even the start of this year. It was the end of last year on Fantastic Form when it was announced that they'd signed to Rise Records. Mm. And that was a huge thing for the British... Uh, I don't want to use the word pop punk because I don't think it's necessarily pop punk so much as is pop rock. Yes, and I know that a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, what's the difference?" I but think there there is a very diff a, a, a huge difference between them that's found in the subtleties of the tracks. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's it's the structures, it's the tone of the record, it's mm. the theme of the record, and it's. Yeah. It deserves so much more than to just be another pop punk record. Yeah, not I think that there's necessarily anything wrong with being a pop punk record, but no, it, this no. this is not one. This this is not necessarily reinventing the wheel. I mean, there's a lot of UK pop punk bands at the moment. I know this is probably what a lot of people are saying on the internet. Shout out <laughs> UK pop punk. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, since Neck Deep have come out, it's no surprise that a lot yeah. of bands have come out sounding a lot like Neck Deep. Yeah, that's going to um, happen. That's and, and trying to you know trying to do similar things to them. It's no surprise. But I think this has um, a certain charm to it, um, especially when you read into the backstory and read into Sam's struggles with mental health and his sort of eventual attempted suicide um, becomes a very dark record but it's it goes sky high from the start yeah uh, from that first song I'll deliver you to the fireflies it comes in with the drums 
uh, we, there's a nice piano intro, but it comes in with the drums, yeah. and it just goes. It remind. I was trying to think of like a way to describe it because I feel like pop rock was kind of a flimsy way to put it. It reminds me of um, Fools and Worthless Liars era Death of Anna. Okay. Yeah. Meets uh, Infinity on Highs era Fallout yeah, Boy. Yeah, I can go with that. P- particularly in yeah. Sam's vocals. Sam's vocals are very... I know he kind of hates the, the Patrick Sump comparisons all, a lot of the time, but he's got a real soulful if, if, if you're going to sing soul in, like a, yeah, exactly. in, a, in an emo outfit, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're going to get the Patrick Stump comparison. Yeah. And that's by no means I, a I bad think, thing. I think their drummer is is an amazing um, addition as well to the, the whole record um, it's much like Nick Deep where my favourite member of the band is their drummer Danny mm. uh, just an exceptionally talented technical drummer the whole band are great and you know they, they obviously preceded this by doing the single series where they did a single a month for the whole yeah. of the year so it essentially sounded much like a record but this is their first full length and this just follows on from it being single after single after single I don't yeah. think there's a duff moment on this record. Um, what what do you think? We haven't spoken about this band before yet. What 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 do you think of it? Um, for me, it was a it was a strange one to listen to. So I've known Sam Little for a while from when he was doing his solo stuff. We played a few shows with him maybe like eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So I've known of this guy for a long time, and I remember when he first formed this band, being like, "This is exciting because this guy's got a voice for a band." Like yeah. he needed to be in a band for a long time, and I was so stoked to see him finally do it. And I remember first hearing what they had come out with, and I, I, something about it never clicked with me. But this is now the record for me that they've put out that I think this is not necessarily my taste in music. It's mm. not something that I'd go home and listen to. But I listen to it and just think, you know, this this is a good record. This is for people that are into like that kind of pop rock, emo ish kind of pop punk influenced without necessarily falling on those tones. Yeah. I think people are going to really enjoy that record. And I, yeah. It's not necessarily something I'd listen to myself, but no. I can see why people have a lot of time for that record and that band. Yeah. Yeah. This this uh, Gospel Youth next year are going... Well, first they're going on the UK tour with Tonight Alive, which I think will Huge. be yeah. yeah brilliant for them. Um, especially seeing as Tonight Alive are getting on the radio now, they're going to get big crowds, and I think they'll fit in perfectly with that tour bill. But the one that stood out to me is that earlier this year, uh, they went on the Warp Tour. Yes. Um, and now they're going back over there to do a tour with Sleeping With Sirens. Yeah, that's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, that's, if, that's really good. If the crowds are kind to them, and I think they will be, hmm. Uh, American crowds I've I've heard are always very enthusiastic, especially towards support bands. Um, I think Gospel Youth have it in them to really crack this. Yeah. To to go to that level. Uh, I hate to draw them in again, but to go to that level that Neck Deep did a few years ago, where they're they're bigger in the states than they are over here, and be that massive band flying the flag for the UK. I'd love for yeah. them to be that band, especially since that last Neck Deep record was not great. Um, <laughs> my personal opinion, like, you know, but um, I think they really have it in them to go to the top. The the very, very top with, you know, off the strength of this record. I absolutely love it and totally surprised me. I thought it was going to be a great record off the strength of the singles. What I got was an absolutely, in my opinion, a phenomenal debut record. Yeah. So the Gospel Youth and Always Lose by number six. Okay, number six. Um, 
I'm I'm not a person. I, I feel like I need a disclaimer on this. I <laughs> I am not a person who believes in guilty pleasures. I think you like something or you don't. You should never hide it. I with, think I know which record you're about to talk with about. With that said, this is a record I know I'm not supposed to like. This is a record. It sounds. It, it's only death is real by Stray from the Path. <laughs> and, you just got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, this is one of the. I, I tried. I had to explain this to one of my friends. But it sounds like later era Dead and Divine meets Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> and with with some weird new metal vibe throughout the record. And I know that this is everything on paper that I do not like. And for some reason, I don't know if it's because of the timing when it came out. I was in America. We were doing like a drive from Houston to Austin. Was this just holiday? Yeah, I was on a. I was taking a break out there. We were on our way to go and see Manchester Orchestra in Austin but my friend lived in uh, Houston and I was like this record come out I've seen a few people talking about it do you want to listen to it on the way there so I downloaded it before we went we had it on like the whole like four hour journey just <laughs> repeated and it comes in with that like uh, so my my friend I'm out there my friend Kevin I stayed with uh, he's obviously born and bred American and he comes in with that second track of greatest country in the world what the fuck do you mean <laughs> and I had to turn around and I was like I'm so sorry man <laughs> But like by the end of that record, like every every song is my favorite 2005 song that came out this year. <laughs> if you, know, it's got every great like bounce groove breakdown, like every great kind of like little new metal breaks. The, the lyrics are cheesy and really on the nose, but they kind of add to it in a really weird oh. sense. And I just there's something about this record that I know I'm not supposed to like, but I love it. And it's yeah, I don't know where to go with that. It's just one of my most listened to albums of the year just because of how much fun that record is front to back and yeah. how many like the riffs are just superb in it the the percussion doesn't get enough of a shout out like the drummer is just killing it on all fronts like yeah it's so easy to overplay that kind of thing and i think in places it's on the very like on the line of whether he's about to but mm. always reels it back in and there's those really subtle time signature changes the guest spots to get to get Keith Buckley in from Every Time I Die on when the track, I, when, when just I unbelievable. That, I was like, "That's Keith Buckley, isn't yeah. it?" Check, I had to check Spotify and go, and then fucking, and then hell. you go like the track straight afterwards with Brian from Knock Loose, and uh, that's probably the hardest riff of the year as well. And mm. like, oh my god, that album is yeah. I don't know what else to say other than that about apart from sorry. I <laughs> I listen to it far too much to not put it in. I love it far too much. I don't want to label it as a guilty pleasure. That's the closest yeah. I've ever got to one. Um, <laughs> this album is coming around at a time when... When I say the words Empericon Metal, <laughs> or Empericon Core, as yeah. I like to call it, yeah. All right. it it's, it's the Ice Age for these bands. Yeah. Um, you know, they're either leaving the genre entirely or they're going to just go away. Yeah. And Rightly so. I think it's a genre that's outstayed its welcome, um, or certainly a movement of metalcore that's outstayed its welcome. And the best bands from that scene, Parkway Drive, While She Sleeps, uh, and Architects as well, they are all moving away from it now and doing mm. different things. I think that's the fun thing with Stray From The Path, is that they, they took that initial idea and they've 
when you see them playing, they're playing all this stuff on like a Fender, and it's that really strange tone, and it's, it's really slinky. Yeah, it's very gro- loose. The amount of groove to it. Yeah, um, this... and that's what I think sets them apart. Because I would agree with you that like generic metalcore needs to stop, mm. like in the same way that generic pop punk needs to stop. And it, if anyone thinks that the answer is to blend the two, you need to stop because <laughs> I'm honestly done with that. That should that's something that should have never happened, and it's something that needs to continue to not happen. It's um But with that said, there's something about Stray from the Path that I find really strangely likable. It's Were you into them before this record? No. No. And okay. I and I'd seen them before and I remember not understanding what the hype was about. Listening to this That's album on, on recommendation and just being blown away by it. That's to the point really... that I've gone back to the I think it makes me understand the older records mm. a bit more to the point that I now do enjoy them. Yeah. Not, not to the extent of this record though. It's it's just every Every heavy riff that I've loved this year is on that record. Brilliant. Like it's just, it's insanity how, how catchy they've made a heavy record. Yeah. But yeah, it's not without flaws. There is a lot of cheese on there. There's a, there's a lot of bits that I kind of it's, it's cringy but in a very fun way. Yeah. But I think it's an it's an important record for the time, the statement is making. As much as it is cheesy, it's not the most intricate lyrically. But it is still a very, it's a very political record. It's brilliant. And I will back any band that can throw a Nazi punk's fuck off into a breakdown. That song, so the song I was referencing at the start, (laughs) Good Night Alt Right, is the... Yeah, that's... It it could be the... the, Maybe it's a bit strong to say this. Oh, fuck it, okay? Uh, I think it He's could, had a Smirnoff ice. He's yeah. going in. We're getting rowdy now. No, <laughs> just thinking about the song makes you want to punch someone. You're the only person <laughs> in this room with me, though, so I won't do it. Wait. But it could be the... It could be the... Maybe not on the sense of it being a classic record, but for the no. purpose that it serves yes. at the moment, it could be the killing in the name of its yeah. time. It is... This is a furious record, and it kind of nicely uh, completes the package that Straight From The Path are to me now, because I'd seen them supporting Architects God knows how many times, Yeah. because, uh, you know, they're, they're Architects' favourite band, they're sort of long-time touring buddies, Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is really great live, but they're not necessarily doing it on record for me. Hmm. Subliminal Criminals, the record before this, went some way towards doing that. But was they like, had a couple of really good standout le- tracks, and, like those it- weird kind of guitar tones with like the whammy pedal, and like mm. again with that like strat tone playing heavy yeah. music. It, it blows my mind every time but every, it just fell short that record for me I don't know yeah. what it was but this one is like I said it's it's front to back there's not a bad song on there no no absolutely not and I wish there was I wish I could fault this record but it's just fun there's yeah. no way around it it's a really fun record it's a very angry record yeah but I think it's uh, it's probably not going to stand the test of time in any way shape or form but for this year it's been great Fantastic. So that's only death is real by straight from the yes. <laughs> I'll do my best to grow up. The fuck <laughs> after that one. <laughs> right. So I think that's where we're going to leave it for this week, at least. Like I said at the start of the episode, you'll be able to hear our top five albums. Uh, next Tuesday, the 19th of December, 2017, uh, on the usual platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Acast. It's the first time we've ever done a two-parter for Bitch and Brew, but like I 
said. I just didn't want to reduce the quality by cutting loads out. So thank you to Dan for uh, sitting through that first part and the second part indeed with me. Um, if you haven't heard Guillotine before, their new uh, their EP is called Sapphire and it's out now on Failure by Design Records. I'll leave a link in the description to get that, especially seeing as right now for the month of December, Failure by Design have got a cracking deal on, on their web store at the moment where you can get 15% off any purchase from their web store. Just use the code FBDECEMBER at the checkout and that will take the 15% off your purchase. They've got some cracking vinyl, uh, tapes, CDs, merch on there. So go and grab yourselves a bargain and some great music. We will be back next Tuesday, the 19th of December uh, on all the usual platforms. This is Bitch and Brew with me, Danny Randon. And until then, peace out. <laughs>